welcome to Two Bye Guys. I am your host, Rob Cohen. Hope your summers are winding down nicely. We have another great episode for you today. It's part two of my interview with Bicon and influencer RJ Aguiar. In part one, our season premiere, we talked a lot about his bisexual journey and his identity and how it intersected with his content creation. In this episode, we talk a bit more about his content, his show, Quick Question. We also talk about some of his modeling work and some body image issues. And then we also talked about some activism, his work with the Los Angeles Bi Plus Task Force, among other groups, his participation in the Bisexual Summit at the White House, and some other great stuff. I think you'll enjoy it. Stay tuned. Before we get to that, I have one other exciting thing to discuss. I was recently approached by a company called Trova Trip. They specialize in group travel around communities like this one. So what they do is they reach out to hosts and influencers who have built a community and they organize travel for that community. So the idea would be I would host a trip of bisexual people and we would go somewhere in the U.S. or somewhere around the world and and go on a guided trip. I don't plan the trip. They plan the trip. I'm just there as a host and friend. Personally, I don't feel like the draw of this trip should be wanting to go on a trip with me as the host, although, of course, I'm happy to. But I think that, you know, I always talk about building by community and meeting other by people in real life and making real world connections. And I live in New York and LA. I'm lucky enough I have some bi communities in those places, but not everyone does. Not everyone lives in a place where they have that. And so this, I think, is actually kind of a cool idea for people from anywhere to meet up and build bi community and go on a fun trip with each other. So we're going to explore if this is a possibility. If you look on our social media, at 2 Guys on Twitter and Instagram, starting when this episode comes out, I'm going to release a survey. So if you're at all interested in this, please take the survey. It'll ask you about when you're available, where you might like to go, what your budget is. And from the results of this survey, we'll see if this is a real possibility and if we can actually go on a trip. So even if you're not sure, you can definitely make it. If you're at all interested in this idea, go check our social media. I will be posting it throughout the week and take the survey. All right, now a word from one of our sponsors, and then we will continue with my interview with RJ Aguiar. Enjoy. I have always loved cereal. It's such a fun snack. I used to eat it all the time growing up, but lately I've kind of had to cut back on it because I'm trying to cut out sugar and carbs and all that kind of junk you shouldn't eat. But now you can eat cereal without all that stuff. Healthy breakfast doesn't have to be boring because Magic Spoon has the amazing flavors you love without all the bad stuff. So Magic Spoon sent me this variety pack. It has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. They're all great. I love them. I tried them all. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, only four net grams of carbs, and only 140 calories per serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. I don't know how they do all that, but it still tastes like cereal, and it's great. It's crunchy. It melts in your mouth. I liked the cocoa and the peanut butter ones, and when you mix them together, it kind of tastes like a peanut butter cup. That was nice. And it's healthier than most cereals. So go to magicspoon.com slash 2 guys to grab a variety pack and try it today. 
Be sure to use the promo code 2 guys at checkout to save $5 off your first order. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash 2 guys and use the code 2 guys to save $5. And thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode of 2 guys. Okay, I want to ask you about Quick Question, which is the show yeah. you're currently working on. It's a daily show, mm-hmm. right? It's daily, basically. Uh, yeah. So, so we it's like a we do topics by week, and so we've got like sort of tentpole episodes which live on Snapchat, and then they're also posted on TikTok in little bits. But then there's also kind of bonus content that's TikTok exclusive. Cool. Um, although, like, we're eventually going to be uh, trying to work to expand across you know all the different sort of social platforms, but we want to do of it course. in a in a way that is you know sustainable. Cool. So the the topics on there, I I watched some of it. It's like, it's a big range. It's like mental health, wealth inequality, Downton Abbey, Mm -hmm. whether or not we live in a simulation, (laughs) Um, you know, and and there is some some buy stuff, although it's certainly not like, you know, buy focused. Oh, yeah, no, it's everything. So I have two questions. Like, how how did it come about? And like, how do you decide what to talk about with such a broad range of topics? But then also, I did notice there does seem to be a a theme of mental health stuff. Like there's a lot of that. Yeah. And so like, how did you decide to go there? Why is that an important topic for you? I mean, the genesis of that original pitch was sort of twofold. One is, hey, can we like do an informational programming that doesn't treat Gen Z like they're a bunch of idiots? That would be great. Like, le- like Gen Z's actually really smart. They're like some of the most open-minded and well, well-read, like or well-versed people on on so many different topics. So, like, th- you know, can we create something that you know s- helps sort of of speak to like younger voices and also like combat the the issue we have of just like okay, reliable information and how you know, how, how do you not only disseminate, um, information that's, that's reliable, but also help educate people on the critical thinking process. Um, and so, you know, the thing with quick question is we start at that sort of point of entry of just like, yeah, why are stupid people so confident? (laughs) Why do we have inflation? Like, why is this a thing? And then, you know, hopefully by, you know, the way that we sort of, of play it out, especially over the course of, of a week on TikTok, where we can kind of really go like point by point and be like, okay, well, why do we have inflation? Well, you have to know how money works. So how does money work? Okay. So then when you, now that we've established that and it, and it's like, hopefully by, yeah, by, by breaking it down, not just through, you know, by answer, but by thought process, there's, you know, the the sort of dual um, effect of, yeah, of, of educating, but then also, you know, empowering those people to really to, to follow um, that same sort of, you know, um, process of healthy skepticism. Because a lot of what I see a lot happening nowadays, especially is this sort of cynical skepticism where, you know, people just 
don't want to accept anything that they're told. And it's like, okay, no, you should definitely question everything that you're told, but then you got to do the work. You got to go in and like vet information right. and know how to vet information and know how to, how to separate info from, you know, a bias and all of that. Right. I and mean, this is one of the biggest things I've noticed in, you know, as social media has, you know, infected more and more of, of daily life is, you know, we're all in this, in this episode of Rashomon or vantage point or, pick pick whatever story you want where every all the characters have different perspectives so we're still learning how to navigate information in this kind of postmodern world where every source is potentially biased and flawed but that doesn't mean that you can't rely on information from them you just have to know how to parse it out right Right. I agree. There's a lot of media illiteracy and like people don't want to believe anything, but like we have to believe, right. we have to believe something. And there are ways to kind of narrow it down of who's m more reliable and trustworthy and who is not. For sure. For <laughs> sure. And and that's hopefully, you know, the, the this whole notion that like, oh, you have to, you have to respect everybody's opinion. And it's like, no, you don't. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no you can acknowledge everybody's opinion yeah. but you know there's a reason that uh when i'm sick i ask a doctor what's wrong with me and not you know joe schmo off the street because you know the yeah. doctor yes there are incompetent doctors but uh, still you know they went through this entire you know kafka-esque process to be able to put the md by their name and that should at least count for something yeah yeah and how how does the mental health stuff on quick question resonate with your audience compared to inflation or other things? I mean, I think that just speaks to the moment we're in, you know, like like I, I think so many crises we face are underneath mental health crises. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think a perfect, perfect example of this is. Uh, the conspiracy theories episode, we go into why do people buy into conspiracy theories? And it's because they're scared and looking for an easy mm -hmm. or maybe not, but, but like they're looking for an explanation that clicks, that makes sense. And it's literally if you go down to brain science, like once your your amygdala turns off, like your um, your hippocampus goes into analytical overdrive and it needs to fill this gap in understanding so that it can explain the threat and that part of your brain was evolved with you, you know you know in the early days of primitive humans of like oh tiger bad um you know it's going to eat me but then when you deal with more abstract threats like you know the violation of of our bodily autonomy of you know well staggering wealth inequality these are hard really complex tricky things for our brains to try to wrap themselves around and so there's a tendency to just reach for an explanation that kind of closes that gap quickly and you know we like that it, it makes sense to especially in an era where we are not only not only is the news itself just terrifying, but we're also connecting on platforms that are quite literally monetizing our attention and, and therefore trying to stress us out 
so that they can, you know, continue to monetize that attention. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. like, like I would say like, this is how, you know, capitalism plus, you know, mental health issues equals, um, you know, an issue that now le- quite literally leads to violence in real life. Um, and so, yeah, like we could, if we, tra- if we, well, I would even say like, if we treated mental health the same way we treat physical health, and if in America we treated physical health the way that other developed <laughs> nations treat those things, yeah, we there would be so many like downwind sort of benefits uh, for us as a society. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I, it, it really, yeah, the focus on mental health really is. It was just kind of, I guess, a happy accident because yeah, it's just it's a lot of times when you probe certain issues deeper. Yeah, that's just it's something related. that pops up over and over and over again. Yeah, it's really interesting because when I asked you the question, I was looking at the page and it's like, there's these kind of videos and then there's mental health kind of videos. They're like, you know, in my in my head, it's like different categories. But actually hearing you talk, it makes so much sense that like our mental health is tied up in so many of these issues, especially political things and politics, because like, yeah, how we react to these things and how we vote and how we look at all these issues is totally related to our mental health. It affects our mental health. Our mental health affects how we, how we then go vote. And so like, it's all tied together. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's so funny because like actually, well, it's not a spoiler by the time this episode comes out, but like one of the episodes I'm working on right now is how do I convince, how do I get through to someone who doesn't want to listen to me? And, you know, another episode we also touched on was stupid confidence and the fact that like everybody likes to think they form their worldview based off of logic and and facts and reason. And it's like, that's not the case for like 90% of the shit we believe. Yeah. And, you know, and this is what ha- like we don't dig our heels in that often on like what we know we dig our heels in based off of what we believe Mm -hmm. and belief is certainty beyond the bounds of of fact because if you look at actual research it's very very seldomly clear-cut just like sexuality it's like even even stuff that that is you know supposedly cut and dry on tv like you know a dna test even then it's like oh that's there's a 80% 80% chance that this is, you know, a, this is an 80% DNA match, not, you know, oh, it's this person. You are not the father. Right. You know, it's yeah. the this fundamental mis- um, this fundamental uncertainty that we have with existence is doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel great. And so we like to and it goes back to why we actually like to simplify things as binary and as much as possible and and one binary is right and wrong you know yeah that we certainty feels good to us yeah yeah and the fact that we live in such uncertain times is why we see all of these different things emerge right exactly and and i do think there's a segment of the population that like we try to get through to them with facts and that's just it's not going to work because of what's going on in people's heads and this desire for certainty and this cognitive dissonance and desire to be right about stuff. And like, and like, I think Mm -hmm. that we have to talk about mental health more as it relates to politics, because 
we're, we're only going to get through to some people with like feelings, even though, even if the facts are like on our side, it's not, it's not going to penetrate in the right way. If yeah. people are coming to these conclusions based on stuff that's up with their mental health. Yep. And there's, I mean, there's a, there's a line in an upcoming era that this soon to be released episode, like all persuasion is self-persuasion. Mm. Um, mm. And so like, that's kind of how you have to approach it. That and just, you know, I, I think the two, two ways we need to invest more in society that will, you know, benefit us tenfold is, you know, mental health and education. Yeah. But that's, yeah. Again, we're just touching on all these potential pods. Like, we should just make our own. We could do like, a are, whole are series. Pl- I was like, wait, are you taking applications for a second co? <laughs> like, maybe is it- <laughs> this. It's uh, called two by guys. Come back, yeah, yeah. Alex, uh, <laughs> Alex comes back occasionally, but yeah, maybe. Uh, I'm sorry, Alex, but <laughs> so, no. this this episode is kind of a blueprint for a whole season. I'm saying we're making magic here, man. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, I would like to thank our sponsor, Zencaster. Zencaster is also the podcasting platform I use to record this show and distribute this show. Podcasting can be challenging and can seem daunting, but it really doesn't have to be, and it's not with Zencaster. Their all-in-one web-based solution makes the process quick and painless the way it should be. I chose Zencaster before they recruited me to the Creator Network. The Creator Network is great. If you build a following, you can get connected to their advertising revenue and other ways to connect with your audience. But regardless of that, they are by far, in my opinion, the best podcasting tool to use. It's so easy to record with people. It's so easy to meet my guests. They do automatic post production. They record video and make nice videos for me to share on social media. Zencaster records both sides locally, so we get really clear audio without any internet static. The videos are HD. There's so many features. I don't even use them all. I just really have been happy since I switched to Zencaster, and I can't recommend it enough. I want you to have the same easy experience as I do for all my podcasting and content needs. So if you go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and enter promo code to buy guys, you will get 30% off your first three months. Some serious savings. That's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R.com slash pricing promo code to buy guys. What have you been waiting for? It is time to share your story with Zencaster. I want to talk about your activist work. And speaking of Alex and mm-hmm. the Trevor Project, you've worked with the Trevor Project. You've also yes. worked with HRC, GLAAD, Planned Parenthood, the Obama White House. So, like, yeah. I'm curious, as it relates to the social media and content creation work, I, I guess you kind of said that came first and then you kind of got pulled into this activism world. But what's that been like <laughs> for you? Or, yeah, is that is that accurate? What's it been like? Uh, any like highlights or memories of this work that is was particularly meaningful for you? Oh my God. Well, okay. So, I mean, I've always like, even before social media, like when I knew I wanted to work in media and when I wanted to tell stories, like the question was always, how does this make the world better? Like how, or what? what is the impact of of every message that I put out there? And even even in my in my just purely creative work 
um, and writing. It's just like, yeah, like it, it's always been about like what's what is the message and why does it matter? And so like activism was just a natural like addition to that from the from the get go. Like, like I said, in addition to, again, just being a queer person of color existing publicly and that being a, a rebellious act in and of itself. So they've always just gone hand in hand. I mean, the, it in it's just been, you know, what have I had, what good have I had the, the ability to, um, you know, to do, or what, what positive impact have I been able to have just based off of, you know, what's available to me. And, and fortunately, the more my platform grew, the more I, I did manage to try to like make a difference for different causes and, and find, um, you know, where all these causes intersect. You know, I think one great example was healthcare advocacy and going, I mean, getting, I, I, when I went to the white house the first time, like I'm the whole time, I'm just like, what the, why, why me? Why me? Even, even queuing up at security and expecting them to turn me away and be like, you got scammed kid. Like get out of here. And just seeing, cause it was all just like, like middle-aged dudes and suits and whatever. Um, but, but then getting there and realizing, Oh no, I'm here because I check boxes. I'm millennial. I'm queer. I'm Hispanic. Uh, you know, it, it was, and then speaking truth whenever I could um, has always just been like something that that's been really, really revolutionary um, and has helped in a lot of ways. Hasn't always, you know, been supported. Um, I would say like, like because when I was at that White House meeting, they were talking about like underrepresented demographics, which were men, which were men of color, which were young men, which were queer young men. like that is one of the way and you see how it all sort of feeds into one another um you know okay, well there's there's a barrier of messaging because there's a, a lack of representation in the room it's all these boomers being like young men think they're invincible and they don't uh you know need health care and i'm the one in the room being like hi um we don't have a clue how healthcare works no one taught us mm -hmm. imagine if you're going to a used car lot because you know a car is something that you need, but you don't know how it works. And the only person who's going to explain it to you is the salesman. And right. then like, well, we have educational resources. I'm like, I don't know that. No one I know. So then that, and that was, you know, like those sort of dialogues were, were really, really revolutionary. Um, I would say Resist March was also a huge, huge um, aha moment too, because it was one of the first um, times i felt like we were really able to solve how can you be in, um you know intersectional uh without feeling like people can only really check one box in terms of why they're there and what they represent mm -hmm. um and also like how do you how do you attempt to you know advocate and and communicate when it seems like the alphabet is expanding every single day. And I yeah. think that was, that was one of the, the great case studies of like an approach I still use to this day where I always say like swing for the fences, yeah. like picture the most marginalized person you can, someone who is like black, gender, queer, trans, disabled, like, like every, whatever, start with that person and work backwards from there. Like, and, yeah. and it's like that, that is how, you the rising tide truly lifts all boats is that you 
are always trying to to reach out to like the some the person kind of most on the outskirts. Yeah. And then recently like there i i had an epiphany like joining the task force and hopefully this segues into That's the next, my next question. topic <laughs> yeah um you know it the pandemic was such uh a, a, another sort of wake up call because you know i had focused so long on you know online activism and you know thinking that you know visibility was going to be the thing that helped kind of dismantle all the disparities sort of faced by our community. And then I got approached uh, by Dr. Mimi to join the board. And I saw that like, oh, wow, like, like, like all of these different queer organizations that weren't like the big ones were really like the pandemic hit these organizations so hard. Mm -hmm. And you know, as it stands, like we still don't have like have that much like by programming or by representation or by specific funding at any of these larger organizations. Yep. Uh, the, the 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 disparities have gotten worse, you know, as a result. And worse yet, the 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 companies or sorry, not the companies, the 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 organizations rather that are that are actually in trying to get out in the trenches and do the work are also like hurting or, or and have been impacted the most. Yeah. And it was this sort of this this aha moment of like, oh, I can't take community for granted the way that I did before. Like when I first you know started making my contact, like there was there was a community there to support me and to educate me and to make sure that you know, I was I was getting the right messaging out there that I was that I was, you know, not inadvertently doing harm. And that community was disappearing. And I had to I had to step up and I had to actually not just see, you know, what I could do in the confines of my, you know, bedroom with my camera or my phone or whatever. Like, you, you got to get out there. Yeah. And even and, and especially at the given the general state of things, just in general, not just for queer people, but just writ large. Like, I think there's too many people our age and younger that subscribe to this mindset of armchair activism and, you know, not realize that so much of like, like yeah, our politics has been nationalized, but activism and 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 the most impact you can sort of make is usually like local and in your community. And yeah. yes, because social media community can mean a lot more and can can stretch a, it can be a lot bigger than um you know than before, but at the end of the day like community is who shows up. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 you don't necessarily have to to have qualifications or whatever because that was the other thing is like i didn't think i was qualified initially to like join join a board or anything and it's like you you don't like you just got to show up and the whole point is you figure it out together and 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 i mean you want to know you know one of the huge reasons we're in this mess right now is because the right has figured this out they're you know flooding school board meetings right. they're you know, yeah. running for for election, local election supervisors and county commissioners and, and, and all of that, like they understood way earlier than we did that 
when you compound local impact, it becomes national impact. Mm-hmm. And that is actually why I, I, I even made it a point like, no, I want to be on the board of like an LA specific right. organization. A, because like, this is my community and I want to be a part of that community and I want to help build the community that I see and think needs to exist. And luckily, because we have social media, then that doesn't have to happen in a vacuum. Because if we can successfully, you know, make progress on all of our, uh, or, you know, on, on some of our goals, then we can also be a, a beacon for other people and a blueprint for other people to be like, hey, here's how to achieve the same result or a similar result where you are. Yeah. And so, yeah, it becomes a marriage. It becomes a marriage of the two eventually. Yeah, I think it's great when you can marry the two, be- but you know, it it is important to recognize there's a there can be a disconnect between the social media online world and the real world. And a lot of times, like we see a lot of bi activism, a lot of spy stuff going viral online and like lots of big numbers, but that doesn't always translate into the real world. It's still hard to get right. people at a bi event. And it's so important. Like the online stuff kind mm-hmm. of awakened me and was really helpful for me in understanding and recognizing my own sexuality. But being in right. person with other bi people doing something yeah. at a act, you know, at a rally, at the Pride March, going to dinner, at a discussion group, those things I felt in my body in a different way yeah. and energized me in a different way way and and you're you're not as detached as you are in front of a screen you're like actually in it and so i think even even it when the num- different. it hits different so even when the numbers are not as high as they are on online it's it's vital it's important and it is as you said something the right has figured out and it's how laws get written and change gets made and you know protests get mm-hmm. noticed is by you know people being there so, uh, like sure. on, on that note, like what? So, tell us a little more about the LA Bi Task Force, what you guys do, and what you've been up to since you joined the board. So, we've had, um, I mean, what's been so great is how open, uh, you know, the group has been just to, to like, um, you know, input up for me for in terms of like strategy and stuff. Like, I definitely showed up to my first board meeting thinking I was just going to sit and learn, and they're much like, no, 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 like, what do you think? Um, and so, yeah, so this year has actually been such a, a coming out party of sorts. I mean, we we ch- actually changed our name. We're now the Bi Plus Task Force. Yeah. Um, because like one of my first things uh, that I wanted to make it a point to, to really champion was like, like, hey, we're like, again, we're trying we're not trying to close the door on anybody. We want like more, more representation, more affirmation. Like, let's bring the pan and the fluid and everybody else um, you know, especially because there were there have been other bi orgs that are that are been trying to dismiss, you know, people who are pan identified and and so on and so forth. So that that was, um, you know, we, we've refocused that. And then we've we've really uh, tried to rally around our sort of um, our, our our motto, which is sort of threefold uh, uh, was a cultivate, educate um, and and uplift. so we have three teams. Uh, we have advocacy. We have um we're calling like tentative visibility and then we have education. So the, the goal being it's, it's three teams whose work kind of, you know, funnels into one another. You have education, which is all about not just uh, training people, but then also like 
formulating and uh, conducting more research and 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 always sort of updating and and deepening our our knowledge and understanding of our community there's advocacy which um you know is geared more towards um you know championing greater access greater funding um you know locally and then uh you've got visibility which is now about like how does media and social media support both of those missions um and so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're in this, the very sort of early phases of this sort of new model. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're, you know, obviously having, making it a point to have presence at pride festivals. Uh, we are, you know, organizing, you know, action, various actions, especially, you know, during the election year. And then, you know, online, of course, we have our, we have our brand new um, by blog written by Mike Zemanski, who is a fucking phenom he's he's is a machine he's amazing he's great and then we do like uh we also do like dialogues and we do dropping by like which which luckily because we're, and you're uh you know gonna be on one of our uh, uh our yeah. digital panels um all about like and and being able to have that that uh that dialogue but okay what is biculture because that's uh i ask you to picture you know straight culture i ask you to picture gay culture there's Images that pretty that come pretty easily to mind. Uh-huh. What's bi culture? Yeah, I don't and you're know. like, mm, I don't know. We'll see. Um, puns. I think puns. Bunch of people puns is, sitting in their chair awkwardly in a circle. <laughs> uh, apparently, like now, if you go on Reddit, frogs. Frogs are you know because they oh. breathe in water and in air. Oh, you know? I so like they, that. They, okay. are, they do both. I'd say just generally being awkward and and anxious and nervous is is, is pretty bi culture. <laughs> witchiness i would say like witchy things is very by um yeah it's yeah like like luckily yeah like like there's we we want to create a bit of a hybrid as far as you know being able to affect change on the local level but then also spark conversations uh you know on on a broader scale and so you know that's the goal but but the you know the the challenge as i as i've learned is is very much about just you 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 can't you know you you devour the whale one bite at a time you know if you look at the whole issue the whole problem it becomes so daunting you know that you just kind of get overwhelmed and it's just like no 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 you you show up you do your best you do what you can and you go you get up the next morning and you do it again yep yep you got to start somewhere you got to start small and it's like if everyone is doing this at their local level and building some bi community, that's going to have a trickle up effect to everyone. Yeah. Cool. And I want to even try to do that more on a quick question, to be honest, too. Of just mm-hmm. like, hey, you think shit's fucked up? Do something. Yeah. Pick pick one thing that resonates with you and just do something. Yeah. You don't have no one's going to solve it all. Yeah. But just do something. Just yeah. do something. Actually, shout out to my one of my good friends who started an advocacy group called Do Something. Literally, that's what it's called. Yeah. And the yep. idea is two hours a month to do something, whether it's like something, po- something political, like writing some letters, making some phone calls, you, you know, sh- and also like donating somewhere once a month, even if it's just two hours, like just do something. You don't have to make it your whole life, but we can't do nothing. Uh, if we all do nothing, then no- yeah. nothing happens. And I've I've considered that I've considered that the the price of entry for complaining about shit. I I you yeah. know, like I feel like I I you know you 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 feel you you see somebody 
you know, complaining about shit. And it's like, okay, well, what are you doing? Right. I like that. I, th- I also if you think can, yeah, if you can say, listen if they're not doing anything. Yeah. No, literally. Like, what are you doing? Okay, yeah. so what are you doing? Yeah. If not, then no, shut up. Go do your thing and then come back. Yeah. And then we can, and then we can complain about how, how everything's messed up. Yeah, exactly. If you listen to Two Bye Guys, you probably enjoy listening to conversations about relationships and intimacy. That's why I know you'll love Date in a Blink, a podcast that lets you listen in on first dates between strangers. The conversations range from goofy and hilarious to deep and vulnerable to sweet and awkward AF, which means as fuck. And if you love the intimacy of going on real-time phone dates, you can go on them yourself through the Blink Date app built by the hosts of the Date in a Blink podcast. Sign up for their waitlist at www.theblinkdate.com. That's www.theblinkdate.com and check out their podcast, Date in a Blink. Okay, so I want to talk a little about your modeling work, um, if you don't. Mind. And, but like, but like more than quote that. unquote. <laughs> well, you know, there's there's this stereotype that bi people are always really hot and fit and sexy. And how do you feel about personally perpetuating that stereotype? And like, do you worry that you're fueling this myth that we're all as hot as you? <laughs> <laughs> I would love to think that. I would love for that to be the case. Are you kidding? No. Uh, no, but I, well, I but but like, seriously, you are you are very open with at least from you know my perspective, very open with sharing your body. Like, was it always was it always <laughs> that way? Like, I I know it gets you numbers, but is it is it difficult? Oh no, it's definitely not been uh, like something I've. It, it's definitely been something I've I've come into more and more and more. And yeah. oh god, like. I, I mean, I do say like it is a marketing tool. Yeah. Like like in, in a in a sort of weird way, but it's fun. You know, like it, it's a, it's I, I definitely don't like I make little to no money doing it. So it's, uh-huh. it's I, you know, uh-huh. if at all, it's really just about fun. And actually, I mean, especially when it comes to 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 model work and 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 who I try to work with like photographer wise too like it i i like that it's an opportunity to co-create with people mm-hmm. um you know especially cuz like usually in my day to day like i'm the one holding the camera i'm the one editing i'm the one doing this and it's it's great to just be able to sort of show up to a shoot or whatever and to be like, I'm your clay, like mold me. But also like I have thoughts, but usually, but generally speaking, especially because I have a background in production and stuff like we can, it it becomes a, a genuine collaboration and that's just fun. Yeah. Um, in terms of stereotypes, I mean, there's, I mean, it, it it goes back to to the the like just because I'm bi doesn't mean I'm a raging slut. I am, <laughs> but I am right, but not because I'm bi. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, and and I mean like like I try to be as as self aware about it as I can, and and sort of recognize that like yeah no not everybody looks like this. Part of you know part of how I'm able to to maintain this is because like I got certified as a personal trainer and worked in that job for for a couple of years. Ah. And so like my base of knowledge is just like, you know, pretty, you know, a, a bit more informed, but 
you know, I also, I, I also though, like in my, in my online presence and even just in my personal life, like I, I definitely don't graduate, like gravitate towards more than like just one type of body, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that, that is actually what I, what I love about the culture of like only fans is that more and more people are of, of all different body types, skin colors, gender identities or whatever are like not waiting for permission or waiting for a studio to like want to make content with them. Like they're just doing it. Yeah. And there has just been this wealth of new spank material for me. And it's just awesome. And I, yeah. <laughs> and you know, I, I know for me, like life's too short to have a type. So same. And I've found stuff on OnlyFans lately, often through alt Twitter of like people yeah. with with body types that I don't see when I go to Pornhub or whatever that that when I search stuff yeah. it's not coming up and I don't seek it out but then I see it on OnlyFans and it's and it's pretty hot and I guess yeah like I and now that you mentioned it, I guess I, I could make it a point and probably should make it a point to like more often just be like hey this isn't the only type of <laughs> of body that's that's worthwhile and I mean I have had a thing piece brewing that I've been meaning to sit down and write uh for a while called the insta thoughts guide to body image mm-hmm. um because i mean like my relationship with my body has definitely had to evolve as a yeah. result of um of me putting it on display because i like i remember one of the first times i did like an honest to god like dirty bulk after you know my you know cementing my status as an insta thought and i just remember like even being home alone and, you know, looking at myself in the mirror and like being tempted to suck in my gut because I didn't see abs anymore. And I was just like, wait, why, why, wait, no, why am yeah. I, why am I doing this to myself? Um, um, actually, can, can I ask you about that? Cause like I, I do that yeah. all the time. I look in the mirror and I want abs. <laughs> I've, I've wanted abs since I was like in fifth grade and I, I never really thought it was connected to my sexuality, but I think in some weird way it is. And like, you know, oh, there, I, it's always there's there's always like when you're when you have any kind of same sex attraction, there is always or maybe not always, but more often than not, there's going to be an intersection between I want to fuck you and I want to look like you. Yes. Right. You know, it's oh, just that's what you exa- find appealing. Exactly. It's like, I, yeah, you want to be this and you also want to have sex with this. Yes. And I, I, you know, it's just like, I, I'm happy with the way I look and I, I like it, but I also have moments in the same day that I'm happy with it, that I'm like, I, I should work out more. And I did see you wrote yeah. a Facebook post in 2017 that was part of a me undies oh, campaign, but you talked about body oh, image. Oh my gosh. Do you mind if I read it and you can see if it applies or Go if for it, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. You wrote, for so long I've looked in the mirror and hated what I saw. I was too skinny, too fat, too feminine, too weak. I was never good enough as I was, never comfortable in my skin. That's why pride that's why pride is so important. It's about embracing and loving yourself and celebrating who you are in all your human imperfect glory. That's why I'm so thrilled to join me on these pride campaigns. It was, <laughs> That's it was one of those. It was one of those memes before the meme was a meme. Um, oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. No, I help. Yeah, exactly. Um, but so, yeah. I mean, so funny. What, are are you in a different place than than in 2017, or do you you know do those oh, yeah. thoughts happen still? hundred percent. They're always they're always gonna they're always gonna be there. I think for 
for me, um, I mean, there is a, um, gosh, like, yeah, this has been a whole evolution because the, I mean, just the general state of your body period is an average of choices you've made over the course of like a very, very long period of time. And actually like I like getting certified as a personal trainer was actually such a huge turning point in all of that. A, just because I learned what, how to parse like bro science from actual science and also like learning about, okay, what is health versus what is, you know, trying to fit a certain body type that I feel like I have to fit. And I mean, that 2017 post was part of like this initial awakening of mine where I was like, oh, this like body type that I've always wanted was kind of within reach. Like it was, it was within uh, the confines of what was biologically possible for my, you know, genome, uh, you know, being an ectomorph that, you know, I was able to, but like, it's always like it's even even now like like what you see on camera now is like not how i am all the time uh -huh. and that i will always sort of cop to and and even like it wasn't just my own journey it was also talking to clients and being like okay what are your goals and it was almost always i want to look this way i want to whatever and i'm like okay well we can do that but then beyond that what do you want to do? Like, what, how, how is your body going to be a vessel to, to like enhance joy in your life? Mm -hmm. Um, looking good naked is one of those ways. Sure. Um, doesn't hurt, but it's also like why you see me now on Insta trying to hit like a four foot box jump because I was, you know, it was one of those moments where I'm like, why am I here? Yes, I'm here because I want to look good naked. Yes, also working out does wonders for my mental health. And that was that's another thing where people always ask me, like, why are you so into fitness? I'm like, my mental health is always hanging by a thread. And, yeah. you know, if I don't work out, my sleep goes to shit. And if my sleep goes to shit, my depression starts getting out of control. Um, but also it's just like, no, like trying to run faster, jump higher, like do more shit was such an aha moment for me because then the motivation kind of took care of itself it was like oh i like like i still to this day fucking hate doing squats and i hate deadlifting but when i hit that four foot box jump i felt like a goddamn avenger yeah. you know right. <laughs> and so you know it was it was it was it, like i i guess that's how my understanding of it has evolved over the years where there's so many great ways to look good naked. OnlyFans, again, sort of proves that. And I think one of the best ways you can, like, help enrich your relationship with your body and also, like, shut that voice up that feels inadequate is to work towards those goals that make you feel less restricted by your body. You know? And that was, like... A, a question that I really like learn to ask prospective clients is like, is do you feel like your body's getting in the way of anything you want to be able to do? And how do we sort of remove those barriers? And then 
once once you feel capable and that you're not held back by your body or whatever, then the everything else is just kind of gravy. Yeah. And 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 then even then in terms of like, you know, physique and the appearance, I always say like 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 what you see in front of cameras is not sustainable. It's just biologically not sustainable. So I would say like just be two weeks out, you know, where maintain a level of fitness where given two weeks notice you're camera ready. Mm-hmm. But interesting. Have the cheeseburger. Get fuck it, you know? <laughs> interesting. Okay. We have to do a whole other episode on this because I'm I am very curious. A hundred percent. I love like like my favorite cheat meal like burger fries beer like ice cream afterwards like give it all to me good (laughs) that's good to hear okay last question your 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 hair is quite colorful today it's green (laughs) i know it's not always green yeah how do you decide no. h- how do you decide on the color and like is this sort of a by identifier for you or do people see it and make assumptions about you based on your hair color well it's funny you should mention that um and and i love how like every question turns into this whole like 10 minute thing cuz i re- like, i ask i'm good at asking like three or four questions at once you are excellent you are excellent at questions <laughs> let me just let me just say this oh i thank you but um no, I mean, like it was, I mean, it started, ironically, I start, I first did it at, because uh, I, w- I was a main stage panelist at VidCon, and I knew I was just there as the token B, and I knew, I had always kind of wanted to, to like bleach and dye the hair, and this was like a great why today, because I'm like, ooh, it's something that can make me like very easily recognizable. Um, but then it was just fun. Like, it's just a fun thing. You know, and especially like I, I normally have like pretty thick and dark like Mediterranean hair and the bleaching, it just changes the texture and the consistency of it. Uh, and so especially in like the summer months, it's it it's lighter. And and, you know, I'm someone who. Generally speaking, like my axes of oppression are invisible, like you don't most people don't look at me in normally, especially when I have natural hair color and think like queer person of color. Like mm-hmm. very light skinned, white passing, um, you know, that you can't tell by looking at me necessarily that I'm queer or that I'm neurodivergent, that I'm, you know, any of those things. And so, yeah, especially like over the, the you know, especially since becoming, you know, more of like a, 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 a figure on social media, like I have really sort of wanted to try to find ways to make it clear immediately to people like, Oh, queer bow, like faggot. And, <laughs> and, you know, and, and it was, it's the hair, it's me, you know, doing nail polish. It's me, you know, if I get an opportunity to walk a carpet, it's me dressing, you know, way more sort of off the wall and flamboyant and weird and quirky and fun and doing makeup and yeah. all of that. Like it's a, it's a way for me to actually have my outside reflect my inside because, and I'm sure this is something that, that resonates with many people that listen. It's, it's hard sometimes when people look at you and they don't necessarily like know what's going on with you or, or, or have any sort of idea what your experience is. Yeah. And so that's, yeah, it's just been, 
a fun way to, like I said, push the boundaries of masculinity. And then in terms of color selection, I really, I like just being able to color code my summers because I always usually do it in June for Pride uh-huh. and usually also VidCons around that time. So yeah, I like color code my summer. It was like the silver summer, the purple summer, the pink summer, the blue summer. Now we're on green. Cool. We'll see. We'll see what's next. I like that. Very cool. I identify with so much of that. I mean, I could talk about it forever, but so far I'm mostly just up to nails, but, and you know, some, some kinds of interesting fetish wear sometimes, but I haven't been on that many red carpets yet. If I, if I ever get back to the red carpet, I'll have to purchase some. Yet. Yes. Yet. Yeah. 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 Don't worry. (laughs) I mean, it was also like the first time I got to walk like a real, real, real carpet and it was it was John Wick three, which like you know, <laughs> like I know, and I had purple hair, and the fact that like Keanu like walked by and was like, oh nice, and I'm like, oh, amazing, amazing, like that was it, <laughs> amazing, that's hilarious, cool, well, awesome, uh, this has been lovely chatting with you, RJ. Finally, dude, uh, you can follow RJ at, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at. Damn it, RJ. D A M N I T R J. Damn it, RJ. And also, uh, you yep. can check out Quick Question on TikTok at Got a Quick Question or on Snapchat at, is it just called Quick just Question? Search quick on... Question. Yeah, just search Quick Question. Cool. And you can also visit RJ's website, rjaguiar.com. Uh, anything else? Anything Which else? The link you of that put? is in the bio of all my social. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no. And we'll everything. and we'll put links for everything in our show notes as well. Um, anything else to plug? Um, no, other than I'm just this is this has all been an audition to be like a regular guest co-host. Like that's we <laughs> that's can really we can discuss this is, whole we, thing has been. We can make it happen because I feel like we could t- we could expand today's conversation into a full season about all these different topics. There's there's always so I much. mean, <laughs> remember when I said I was going to keep try to keep this to 45 minutes? Uh, what time? And I said, nope. <laughs> you were right. I was wrong. Well, uh, well, thank you. It's 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 nice to kick this conversation off. Is how I will leave this, and nice to finally meet you and chat. Hell, yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute joy. Two Bye Guys is produced and edited by me, Rob Cohen, and it was created by me and Alex Boyd. Our logo art is by Caitlin Weinman. Our music is by Ross Mincer. We are supported by the Gotham, and we are part of the Zencaster Creator Network. Use promo code Two Bye Guys to get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster. Thanks for listening to Two Bye Guys.